0: Hello, everyone. My name is Alexander Morari, and I'm the founder of ITK Media. As you know, we are um, having um, regular podcasts with the pre-Series A uh, startups from Central Eastern European companies, uh, uh, markets, and region. And our guest today is Cornel Amarie, bonjour. And uh, Cornel is the co-founder of a company called Dot Lumen, which uh, builds glasses uh, that help the visually impaired people live a better life. Hello Corneal Bonziwa.
1: Hello, salutări. Very glad to be here.
0: Look, um, you are one of those guests that we've had recently that I think we could have like dozens of topics to cover and we could spend like several hours basically of uh, recording. So that's let's try and focus on the most important product I understand that you are now developing growing the dot uh, lumen itself. Um, and um, let's start with this. Do you consider yourself, I mean, the next or already the next Elon Musk?
1: Well, with time, when I, when I was younger, I was uh, aspiring to be various people. Was it Steve Jobs? Was it uh, Elon Musk? Was it uh, Dieter Rams? Was multiple people but you know with age you want to become more and more of yourself and more and more of what you consider successes and what you consider you can have an impact in so I don't want to be anybody else than myself with you know I had I have a a huge beautiful and tremendously complicated life but I wouldn't change it and um, I'm not aspiring to be anybody. I'm just aspiring to do as good as I can and to have the right people around me to build the great things which can have an impact.
0: Then how would you describe being Cornell Amarie? What's what's that?
1: Well, a lot of ambition and very, very little sleep. That's how I will define my last for three or four days. And not just for myself, but for the entire team here at Lumen. We had a very powerful start of the year. And I think this start of the year actually shows how we are in general. We are people filled with ambition, people which realize what impact they can bring to the world. And, you know, we work day and night and bring that impact. We are building something which can impact, which will impact the life of millions and millions of people. And that's enough for us to stay here, to work day and night and to build the things which we know can have an impact the thing is like this what we're doing is meant at a population which technology has been developed tremendously recently but definitely not enough. and right now i don't until recently unfortunately the public the public perception was that building things for people with disabilities is not necessarily something which is attractive for the startup world it was kept to big pharma companies it was kept to big players which can uh, invest in that direction because it's so hard to make the right things in this domain. But now with time it still is you know when, when you're thinking of a startup, you're usually thinking of a software. you're usually thinking of building an app. you're usually thinking of doing something which doesn't doesn't require the resources which we require to build what we're building. We're burning tons of cash and we're we're having over 30 people at this point working and we should be 10 times that in order to fully develop everything which we need to. But still, uh, these are some of the reasons for which um, not only investors, but investors, but also the startup movement in general, didn't really look at solving disabilities simply way too hard. Now, after we see so much success with other directions, uh, necessarily on social impact, but other directions in the startup world, people are beginning to ask ourselves, what is the next step? And social impact is becoming one of them. And uh, there have been so little startups in this field. We are one of them. There may be in the last five years been a few more, which uh, had some success. We're able to raise some money. We're able to put a product on the market. There are very few we succeeded, and we're happy to be there. But yes, the the tide is changing, and we're at this point. I think we're on the right part of it.
0: So I read I read between the lines a a let's say po- positively impacting combo that you are t- trying to tap on is doing good at the same time being different from from the crowd because it's easier for startups for impactful startups it's easier to stand out from the crowd yes it's not one of those uh, millions fintech uh, startups you know or payment app and and similar but at the same time there are also challenges and i hope we will discuss these challenges with um, uh, with you later on in the later uh, rounds. Let's get back to the scenario, uh, Cornell, um, and deal with the first round in our podcast, which is the solution of the the product itself. How would you describe okay. the glass um, that you call dot lumen? Um, the lumen, lumen our... glasses,
1: we yeah. call it. Uh, in a nutshell, okay. first of all, I as as much as you want me to tell you about the solution, I'm always going to start with the problem, and the problem is quite simple. There are 40 million people, blind people in the world right now, increasing to hundred million blind individuals by 2050. But when it comes to the most advanced and most used mobility solution, that is the guide dog. The guide dog, however, due to various drawbacks, which it has, there are only 20, 28,000 of them. So 28,000 guide dogs to 40 million blind individuals, even if all blind people recognize that the guide dog is the most advanced solution, those numbers are not scalable. So what we asked ourselves is, hey, can we replicate the main features and advantages of a guide dog without replicating the drawbacks, which make the guide dog an unscalable solution? And let me give you some analogies, because there are so many things which, uh, which uh, the Lumen glasses give and, and do. When you think of a guide dog, you can ask a guide dog to take you to the door. You can ask a guide dog to take you to an empty seat. You can ask the guide dog to turn left, right, forwards, and it will do so. We will take care that you're not hitting obstacles. It will avoid them. It will be able to, at some some point, navigate. We do the same things, but a bit differently. So you ask a guide dog to do something for you, to take you somewhere, it will pull your hand there. You ask Lumen the same thing, it's going to pull your head. That is the main difference because we have a head-mounted system. But this is just one of the features which we're implementing in the system. A guide dog is very good at determining and avoiding you from obstacles, but it has a few things which it cannot do. It cannot read, it cannot understand various contextual information, which we can in an informatic system. So this is like in a nutshell, a very simple analogy of what we're doing. We're taking the features of a guide dog and mounting it in a system which is scalable. That's pretty much the easiest way of saying
0: it. Uh, That's interesting. You said that the uh, lumen glass will be reading out loud also the information from the surrounding world, I understand, right? Not necessarily,
1: but it is capable of reading. By reading, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to read to the blind individual. Let me give you another another bit of context we take for granted, we, I mean, visually capable individuals such as ourselves, we take for granted how we process information and how we understand it. So, you know, we look at an object, we look around, we always have our brain mapping the world, three-dimensionally understanding how we can interact with understanding where we can go, where we cannot. These things we do so intuitively that uh, we forget about them. But for a blind person, they are not capable of doing this on a visual way. This is why we use the guide dog because the guide dog can do these things can understand these things, and then they can uh, help the blind individual by pulling their hand. Once you have a system which is capable of understanding and processing the information the same way that the brain does in a visually capable individual, there is only a challenge of offering that information to the blind. Reading is not a very good way of offering information. It's a very slow way of offering information, but specifically how we're doing it, that's still, uh, that's still, we're still have to write a couple more patents on it, but we already have a few. So uh, as much as I can say.
0: What's the current status with the, uh, not only on the patent side and like idea and ideation, but also on the um, actual uh, physical product side? Sure. Sure. We actually
1: showcased in a few teaser videos, how the product is going to look and how it looks for us already, because we have it over here. We have uh, built in only the last few months over 60 prototypes. Those prototypes were tested with hundreds of blind individuals testing everything from small features, small things, like how well they fit, how well how comfortable it is, up to larger things, how well it is integrated in various scenarios, how well you can offer the feedback, how well it actually enhances the life of the blind. And we're going to continue to do this. We actually have a, a plan to reach 2000 tests up to up to end of March. In terms of, uh, of reaching the market, we are having, I think, two or three more months until pre-production, until we have the pre-production units. And by uh, the second half of the year, we are going to start production. So we're already in a design for manufacturing um, timeline, which means that we're optimizing the product to be manufacturable. This is what we're doing. Uh, we're doing now It means taking every component, making sure you can manufacture simplifying it. This is in terms of hardware. In terms of software, we're continuously improving, validating, prototyping new ideas and making sure they fit in the system. So we are going to enter the market in the second half of this year.
0: You mean with the product to sell now, right? Yes. That's the approach. yes, yes. Okay. Um, look, on, on, on the hardware and like sensory type uh, side of the product, it's more or less easy to foresee what you would, might be working on and so on. I mean, with this haptic or tactile contact and uh, mm, sensors of different ways. What about the software? How difficult is the software part of the product?
1: Well, I can give you a simple analogy. We are using autonomous driving technology, for example. You know, autonomous driving is something very similar to what we are doing, only that we're doing it on the pedestrian side. Uh, in autonomous cars, you, uh, you can put 60, 70, 80 kilograms of computers we can only put a few hundred grams. So we have a huge, huge challenge. It's incredibly difficult to build uh, something which is re- reliable in this small dimension and something which can understand the world, process it and offer the correct feedback. The last thing we want to see is a person getting hurt using the system. That's something which we simply cannot accept. So this is why Trim is tremendously difficult to do what we are doing
0: that's what i'm why i'm asking of course it's just as you say basically just confirming that this is uh, driverless driving driving i mean driverless uh, mobility in a miniature
1: yeah it is it is uh, it comes with the same challenges e-
0: even more because you are more confined in space
1: true We're, we are more confined in space but in the same time we still have a human in the loop we still have the blind individual As the person taking the final decision, the lumen system doesn't take the decision for the user, but it gives all the input information of what you should do. And it gives you as much feedback information as possible, so you as a blind individual can take the decision, this is still an advantage which we have over autonomous driving It's not we can't fail. But we know that there's a degree of error which we can accept and that's a degree of error an autonomous car cannot have so maybe that's a bit of a difference which makes our life a bit a bit more easier in some aspects but in the same time we have the same challenges of lower weight lower dimension uh, much more uh, much more environments because in the end the car only works on a street we have to understand streets we have to understand indoors we have to understand outdoors we have to understand the beach we have to understand the shopping mall there are so many situations which we have to understand and that's so much more complex in terms of how many objects you must detect how much more information you have to process it's a tremendous amount of data Which in autonomous driving you have to do perfectly 99.9999 percent, and for us it's just 99 percent without a 0.9, but still it's uh it's challenging in the dimensions and requirements which we have, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Also, um, I've been thinking about the interface that you are planning is there an a a pairing um approach, or do you plan to pair the glass with the smartphone for instance, or with the yeah, yeah.
1: Smartphone is an interesting uh, an interesting accessory which you can use with the system. I'm not gonna disclose more at this time, but definitely there are some features which you can do together with a smartphone.
0: I mean, yeah, naturally at least smartphone could be the gateway for the information gathered by one glass into the depository of data where it, it can, can do all the magic. It can if be. it's not your plan, it should be your plan, definitely. <laughs> Don't worry, about- we
1: are thinking of everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, we have so many people, uh, I understand, the team that definitely will cover everything. Uh, what about the um, uh, pricing tag that you are planning for one pair of sure. uh, Lumen Glass? Sure. So
1: we're looking right now at $5,000. This is our target price. It depends, $5,000 or 5,000 euros, depending on which side of uh, the Atlantic you are. This is, a, again, by analogy, a guide dog. The training of a guide dog in the States, it costs between forty to $60,000. That's how much it costs to train one guide dog. In uh, Romania, for example, prices reach 15,000 euros and I expect the same in Poland. The problem is not even the training cost. Afterwards, the maintenance and taking care of a guide dog because it's still a pet and it's a pet which you really have to take care of. You have to go weekly to the veterinary and just building up the cost, you really you easily reach 2,000, 3,000 euro per year. So we're targeting a 5,000 euro sale price. This means that for a system which is designed which is guaranteed for three years, and then it's uh, respecting a lifetime of more than three years, roughly six, seven years. This is much cheaper than what you would pay for taking care of a guide dog without even the training cost. So this is our target price. This is what technology can do can create a much cheaper solution. And with time, we actually want to decrease that price as well. For our initial market entry, it was gonna be 5,000 euros or $5,000. This is our initial market entry. And then with time as technology advances and we can reduce uh, manufacturing costs and everything we are going to have a lower device a lower price device with time
0: apart from time what factors do you think would help you disrupt this um product line in terms of pricing i mean everything from it...
1: from the sensors yeah, we're yeah. using from the processing unit we're using from the batteries we're using everything advances and with time we can uh, we can use the best innovations in that direction as well and this is why we expect the end of next year, beginning of 2023, actually, to have our second version. We're still discussing, we're still discussing about the beginning the R&D for it, because there are some opportunities. We already see the roadmap of our suppliers, where it's going, so uh, we already know how much smaller we can get, and soon we're gonna find out how much more cheaper it can get. But it's a, it's a good margin, it's a good, it's a good factor. And uh, with time, more and more people are going to be able to afford this system, so we can have a larger impact than just with the initial version we are we're going to b2b and b2g this is where we are placed right now we're not going directly b2c so uh, we are going to have a we're going to have a dealership network which we're already building or discussing with partners in the states partners in latin america partners in the middle east so we're beginning to form that dealership network and uh, in the following months that's going to that's going to take uh, a quite large increase and then um we're already discussing with several governments which have an interest in our system it is uh it is going to b2b and going to b2g b2c at this point it's not necessarily what we are starting with There are already dealership networks for assistive technology which we can use so we're going to use their experience in selling it to people with disabilities and we're going to keep our experience in developing it and making the best product
0: look immediate question um So you're targeting the richest nations or the richest countries um, with the biggest budgets and the most advanced, you could say, social responsibility kind of mentalities. That would probably mean that big part of the population would be um, outside of this movement. Uh, Do you have any solutions for for them as well, apart from disruption that will will come with time?
1: So, for example, our initial, yes, we have a three-step approach, which is going high, high uh, purchasing power countries, medium purchasing power countries and low purchasing power countries. High purchasing power countries means the EU, means the United States, means some countries in Asia. Then, when it comes to medium uh, purchasing power, we hope to not hope be planned to enter 2023. Uh, with advancements in technology this is what we can uh, what we can do but in the same time there are programs which are beginning and there are opportunities for such a product to reach the market even there there are countries which uh, for our studies appear as medium uh, medium purchasing power but they have uh, programs which uh, through which you can uh, have donations through which you can crowd uh, crowdfund the purchasing of one of our system so systems so it's uh, it is possible that we're going to reach even sooner Um, We are here in the EU and the EU has a great program for this. So the EU is already quite well formed in that. But there are some other countries which of course do not have it. And uh, it comes up to lobbying, it comes up to knowing the right people and to see how we can actually bring the impact in that country as well. We don't want the blind blind people to pay for this system or the blind people who can afford it definitely. But we don't want blind people to pay for the system. We want blind people to need the system and uh, to request it and somehow With the financial programs which they have in their respective country to obtain it. This is why we're looking at insurance companies, this is why we're looking at uh, various blind associations, various social impact associations, this is why we're looking at governments around the world.
0: Last question for this round. What about the pivoting or byproducts, let's say, of this uh, work? Because I understand this huge investment of IQ and EQ and um, money and time and effort and sleepless nights and so on and it does not seem to me the end of the road as far as business uh, no. plans.
1: so the technology which we're developing is by the technology you have today you can't do what we are doing so this is this required us to develop new and new technology when it comes to understanding the environment when it comes to offering information to um, humans basically neuroscience research and because of uh, because of this, we see multiple use cases for the technology. So we already have some new use cases. We're not focusing on them right now because our focus is in having the impact which for which we started the company. But still, we we want at some point soon to tackle the new use cases which we found. And there are use cases we still have some social impact. Uh they're still at the core of what we're doing here. It's just in different fields. There are various disabilities which we can help. There are uh, emergency interventions, which we have the technology to fulfill. We have applications which go up to military, which is not, is not really in the core values of what we have. But still, there's such a such a wide array of applications for the technologies we're having. And with time, we're going to grow those areas as well. So yes, we started the technology here. We're developing disability solving hardware and software, but then we're going to pivot in new directions as well. There are a lot of things. For um, example, in motorsports, in racing, we've seen some application. We already began collaborating with various uh, uh, motorsports to see the possibility of reapplying what we're doing there. So there are a lot of things which you can do once you know how to understand the world very well. And once you know how you can communicate with the brain very well in a non-visual way, because most of the interfaces we have now, most of the things which we do right now are using vision. But humans don't only have vision, they have multiple senses. You have hearing, you have touch, you have other senses as well. And we know quite well how to use them. And with time, we're going to know better and better and better how to use those senses. And uh, that's core IP, which we are having in the company.
0: Cornel, let's move on to second round competitors. You said already that there are not that many uh, competitors, but there are some um who would you say are your top top two three competitors and why
1: sure so we're having the largest um, assistive technology study for the blind in the world we sur- surpassed all literature that is at one point uh, a few months ago we identified over six i think to 700 already solutions for assistive technologies for the blind Unfortunately, most of them are coming from research. There are research papers which were done for the simple point of having the research paper published, it, but no intention of actually putting the product on the market or technology on the market. We are following what the big companies are doing in terms of uh, researching, in terms of uh, projects which they have on the inside. We're following patents to really understand what our competitors are doing, what our possible competitors are doing, because again, there's so few products on the market. And when it comes to this, we're following everything. If I would have to look at three different areas before naming any names, I see the area of what I call 2D information representation. So at this point, there are companies such as OrCam, which is the only, or was actually, or still is maybe, the only unicorn in the field of uh, assistive technology for the visually impaired. They create a system which you attach on your glasses and it's able to read text. So you put a piece of text in front of you and it's going to read it to you. You put an object in front of you it's going to describe the object you can ask it to describe a scene and understand what roughly what objects are over there that's a very slow process it's not something which you can use for mobility but it's something which you can use for uh, better understanding text reading there are some very nice applications there that technology such as this for 2d information representation they work very well for giving you information for augmenting your information so you have a product augmented you but you must already know there's a product over there. You must already know you're over there. You must already know there's some things around you in order to use them. It does nothing to really help you how you can inter- uh, explain how you can interact with the environment, how you can navigate in it, how you can have better mobility or to even accessibilize the, the environment more. It does very little in that direction. And that's one. It, OrCam is the leader of the are the inventor of this, but there are some other companies doing that as well at this point. That is the other field. It comes the field of brain machine interfaces. If, I, if I'm if i going to look very far on in the future, if I'm looking at things like Neuralink by Elon Musk, they are basically working on having direct contact with the brain so you can have a very fast uh, bandwidth uh, connection to the brain. This is, this is not going to be something which is will be commercially available in maybe more than 10 years. This is like a timeline, more than 10 years, you can see something like this. Commercially available, and it's actually is already commercially available in other places. For example, there's a company in the states called Second Sight, which they build the, what is called like the bionic eye, popularly popular term. It's an electrical electromechanical system. You connect to the um, to the optical nerve, and then it sends electrical impulses to the brain via the optical nerve. It is not working for any every kind of visual impairment. So you must have some very specific visual impairments which do not uh, affect the optical nerve. The optical nerve must still be fine. And with all, with everything and all the advancements, I believe they have that technology for like 15 years already. They sold 300 uh, implants. They cost $150,000 each. And you can only have one eye. I'm not sure if you can have more, but from what I read, you can only have one eye doing that. So second side shows how interested are people in actually having a brain machine interface. And unfortunately not very, this will change definitely, but that will change in 20, 30, 40 years that's a reality in terms of uh, mass adoption of a technology like this, but still it's very good that we have it right now. And when it comes to technology, such as what Neuralink is doing 10 years, we can have uh, maybe the first commercial system, but still, let's remember companies such as Neuralink, they're designing the, the, the interface from the machine to the brain, or they're designing a new feedback mechanisms, which we can use because we know how to understand the environment. They know how to transfer the information to the brain. They're complementary things, not necessarily competition. When it comes strictly to mobility, we're looking at only two products. We're looking at the walking cane, like the, the blind cane, the cane that the blind people, are the white cane, the, the cane that the blind people are using. And of course, there are some technological versions of it. They never really caught up. They never really had a mass adoption. Blind people still prefer the simple, uh, the simple walking cane and with a simple white cane, sorry. And then it comes uh, guide dogs, which only under 30,000 a bit over 20,000 of them to 40 million blind individuals. So it's not a scalable, it's a great solution, but it's not a scalable one. In Romania, for example, I think we have 10 to 15 guide dogs. And I met a few of them and I interacted with a few of them. And of course their owners, uh, we have some of them in our office. I actually had a, last week uh, a guide dog over here and uh, we had a lot of fun. With a uh, with a guide dog and uh, a lot of productive discussions and ideas uh, and tests done together with the owner, so those are the two main comp- and are they not even competitors because they're complementary anyway.
0: Already widely spread, and so you are basically, you could say attacking attacking the most spread solution to the big problem. Okay. But um, well, we're
1: definitely not attacking the guide dog, and definitely we love guide dogs, we love the dogs. Uh, we have nothing, we have a lot of dog <laughs> o- lovers in our office. T- trust me, when a guide dog comes over here and we take the, the ham off the, the system, which uh, has the handle on, and basically the guide dog becomes a normal dog, we have the entire fun in the world with the dog. So, we are no, no, my bad, my bad. I'm friendly. using.
0: Yeah yeah I'm using the like battle startup you know vocabulary but n- not in the direct meaning definitely just wanted to say that you are approaching a market where the already used solution is not enough and it's the most widespread solution um, I, you know what I have I had another question let's just jump back to the product solution how sure. much time yeah how much time a new visually impaired person needs to fully interact uh, based on your recent pilots, I understand to fully understand the hardware and to fully interact and um, you know to use sure. it to full extent and to full capacity, and capacity. To
1: full extent, it takes a few weeks. So okay. to full extent, sorry, to full extent, it takes a few weeks of uh, of training of use. The basic features to get quite well Sorry, the basic features you get quite well quite soon. Just a few hours of use and you're already quite comfortable with some of the things. By comparison, a guide dog you take four, two, four, six weeks of training together with a trainer until you can be confident in taking it outside. We are aiming at the same or even less. So it depends a lot. We have more options than what a guide dog can do. We build hardware on which software is continuously updated. So new features are always part of, uh, of the system. And with time, there are going to be more and more features which are, which are helpful to the, to the visually impaired so uh, the basic functionality you can get in a few hours in a few days you can already begin exploring the world and in a few weeks you can be very comfortable with the system it depends a lot on the um, on how uh, secure the or, or how secure the blind individual feels on exploring the world because it's something new for them but in the same in the same time you can put a device on and if you have your walking cane or if you're already uh sorry if you have your white cane and you're already comfortable navigating outdoors, the system will not stop you from doing so. You can actually learn by simply doing it. So you can still use your old means you can still use your guide dog, you can still use your white cane and um, navigate and also have the system and even better because you can correlate from what you know, with the new technology which you have on your head. So that's a a bit of a different from a guide dog, a bit of of difference from a guide dog. For a guide dog, you do need a lot of training. It is a bit different from the white cane because for the white king you also need training. Uh, but again, this product is for people who already know how to use the white cane because you must know how to navigate outdoors. With time and with systems which are going to be optimized for uh, children, that might actually change the paradigm a bit. And we're considering it and we're studying what impact can that have? Because if right now, the system which we're developing is for adults, with time, maybe the second iteration, we're considering bringing it to children. Children, you know, depending a lot to some of the children, depending on the country, learn to use the white cane when they are in um, in uh, middle school. Some of them learn it in high school. Depends. Some of them learn in university. Unfortunately, and um, if we if we ship the product, this available solution in like primary school or in uh, middle school, that might actually change a bit the paradigm of using a white cane. I'm still confident that the white cane is a solution which most blind individuals should first use. So once you know how to explore the environment, once you have your backup solution, which you know is an extension of you, it's a white cane, uh, then you can actually bring a system such as ours.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could call it as a secondary feedback, secondary level feedback system, or kind of redundancy for security, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You're building up this redundancy of this of the two systems combined. I mean, a white cane and the uh lumen itself and then yeah interesting interesting of course and then with the dog there is there a risk by the way from your experience is there, is there a risk of a um, character mismatch with the dog does it yes happen?
1: definitely so this, this is one happen. problem
0: and with the machine you have just uh you have you 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 need to re- learn to read the signals rather than definitely. interact actively well right? it, so it is that. an
1: interaction it is an interaction but the machine ah, okay. doesn't really have a personality Yeah, it's it's unfortunate reality we would consider the guide dog a solution but it's still a pet it still has moods It still ha- you can mm-hmm. still get sick you have to take care tremendous care of it of uh, of your of your guide dog and there are moments when the performance declines because of personality it's it's true it's happening um there are uh, i know quite a, a few blind people with guide dogs which have beautiful relations with their with their guide dogs but i also know People who simply couldn't adapt because they simply didn't fit in personality. They simply didn't fit in um, in the way of uh, of communicating with a guide dog. But the guide dog is not a is not a repeatable system. One day you can do something. The second day you can get sick. I know guide dogs which uh, you know. Um, just a recent example. I'm thinking of the guide dog which we had uh, last week over here. Uh, she her uh, hobby is to eat food from the ground. It's still a dog, so it does that and you can get sick. And where, where, whenever it's doing that, the owner does not know because it's you know it gets smart and you know how to hide it and you can and uh, the owner asks the guide dog if he did that and of course the guide dog signals no, but he actually did. So it's an actual personality. You're you're having another living being next to you, which is a very smart being. Which you know if you have a dog, you know what uh, what I'm, I'm what I'm talking about is still a pet. Yeah. It's a pet which is incredibly trained. But it's still an it's still a living being, and it still has the same thing as you and me. You know, when when we're mad, we maybe don't get the best decisions. The same for the guide dog yeah. when they are when they are distressed, they will not take the best decisions. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Coming back to your competitors, uh, Cornell, uh, you mentioned Orcam, yeah. and um, um, what do you think about Messi Messi being the ambassador and? Uh, Having in mind that there's a guy now best in the world coming from Central Eastern Europe, Roberto Lewandowski. Have you thought of approaching Roberto maybe to become your ambassador?
1: We're thinking of quite a few first people and uh, (laughs) we are actually going to announce something in the following, I think month, but let's say month and a half. We already have an ambassador, our first public ambassador, we already signed and everything is going to happen in the following uh, six weeks. It's uh, it's again, I'm happy that people such as Messi promote technology studies, but of course it's a paid contract, I mean you can imagine that behind it is still a paid contract It's still everything it's pure PR what is happening there and it's unfortunate because. Uh, or maybe maybe not, Maybe I don't really know how the contract situation works between Messi and Orca, maybe i'm wrong, but I still think it's a marketing effort behind. Um, in our case, hopefully it's the same for Orca, but I don't know in our case. The first, our our first uh, media personality, which is going to represent the product, they actually came to us. So, they actually came to us because they really like what we're doing and really want to promote this. And uh, it's coming from motorsports. It's uh, coming from, let's say, the top motorsport there is, but that's as much as I can say. And uh, with time, there are more people which we are discussing already with or which we are starting uh, communication means uh at the stage at which, which we are right now opening our series a uh, round it's incredible to have the people which we have around us and um uh, to give you my, my opinion my direct opinion of messi and, uh, and orcam i really like that somebody such as Messi, with their reach can can bring awareness about visual impairment OrCam is not really in the same field as we are they are going to visual impairment we're going to blindness they are a bit different, still blindness is a subsector of visual impairment, but what OrCam is doing is optimized for people who have low yeah. vision,
0: yeah, very true. bad
1: vision, but not for people who have no vision, like, uh, like our case. Uh, so the, the good part and what I, I really like is that somebody like such as Messi is promoting uh, and it's uh, raising awareness on accessibility, raising awareness on disabilities, especially visual ones. What I think on the other hand, I know how expensive that can be. Yeah. And uh, if I look at the solutions which are available right now for the visually impaired, OrCam was incredible four years ago, five years ago. Right now I have a, a free iPhone app which is made by Microsoft, it's called Seeing AI. And it's free, it's developed for free by, by uh, the guys in Seattle and Microsoft. And it does more than OrCam does, and it does it better. Uh, it, it does use the internet, that's a difference, it does use the internet and OrCam does not but what seeing ai does and if you have an iphone please download it and try it out it's better than what orcam is doing so a blind individual can get for free if they have an iphone and most do because mm-hmm. it is the most accessible uh, smartphone for them uh, for free they can have better functionality than what, or, what orcam offers so for me i love the fact that, or- that the message is, is promoting accessibility and assistive technology but i think that orcam is doing this in order to increase their market share. Uh, that's what I think is happening. And it, I'm, I don't wanna say it's unfortunately, maybe even Messi came and he decided to do this and I'll be very happy and I'll be very glad and this is how we should do. Because again, the people at OrCam are trying to, to have an impact such as we do and we, we respect uh, the people at OrCam. But for me, seeing that an app can do more than a product developed uh, in the last five years by a company specialized in this, it, it might seem that they're not really going in the right direction at this point point. and uh, I'm, i don't know what you're going to release next we're trying to figure it out but you know 1% of us is trying to figuring out what's happening next for our competitors 99% of us are trying to figure out how we can have a better social impact and how we can have how we can build a better product for the blind
0: Colonel, no around, around three ups and downs for the company. And um, let's try to avoid mentioning COVID-19 related kind of uh, issues and challenges. That's what everybody has gone through. Definitely. Um, wh- what would you say is the biggest uh, success of, for the, of the company for the last year or so?
1: First of all, Lumen as a company, it was previously a research project. So It was kept by myself, by my co-founder Gabriel as a research project founded by us and a few of our, uh, of our employees from various companies which we were in or which we were leading at that point. But as a company, as a startup, Lumen began existing at in 2020. So Lumen is not one year old at this point. It's a research project which transformed to a startup months ago, nine months ago, I think. I have to count. We are not one year old yet. So the biggest success by far for us is not funding the company, is actually being able to find amazing people which believe in what we're doing to join be them investor be them of course the team which is here uh, day and in some cases nights uh, as right now looking at the office and there are quite a few people still here uh of course i'm enclosed in, in my office i'm going to clean everything before uh, i'm gonna put my mask on back before before going back to them we always we always are very very keeping the best of safety levels we can do here regarding the pandemic so the biggest success is having an identifying people which are willing to work with us and to work together in order to solve and to build a better product for the visually impaired uh, there are very few of us who actually are coming from a background having uh, relatives with uh, disabilities having relatives which have visual impairment there are very few of us who actually have that here um so i always thought we we're going to be very difficult to find people I always thought it going to be very difficult to find investors but i was so amazed about how people want to be part of this and even before we know we, we exited being a stealth company where we operated in stealth mode. Until a month and a half ago, maybe two months and even before that I remember we wanted to recruit like five software engineers and we had 500 applicants so it's amazing how much interest it is for people to actually have an impact and just to give you a perspective there are corporations here in our area which have a thousand two thousand three thousand employees and they don't get 500 applications in a month and we did so that's absolutely amazing and i'm amazed about the interest that people are having in what we're doing and i'm amazed by the fact that everybody wants to help
0: so the team of uh, people of uh, relatively similar you know m- mentality as far as impactful Live and impactful careers, you could say as well, right? It's something like, uh, you we could mention what si- Simon Sinek, right? Would this start with why? Yeah,
1: like,
0: wh- why you're doing that? Yeah, what about the failures? But again, yeah,
1: where do I start? Um, <laughs> okay,
0: guys, next podcast had... will be dedicated to Cornell's failures only. See you
1: later. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, maybe a few of them. Of course, you can imagine we had failures in terms of uh, fundraising. Not necessarily because we we, we took hard noses. We actually had very few noses in uh, investing us. Yes, we simply we were simply very selective of who we brought in as investors. Uh, but in terms of how things were 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 happening, for example, when we when we closed uh, our first investment round, when we when we the money were not transferred, not all contracts were signed covid just broke so exactly in that second we i was i remember before the lockdown, a few days before the lockdown i met the investor group you know we shook hands and everything and uh, the lawyers were working on the papers and then covid struck, and then for a month two months we were trying to understand what is happening and i fully understood the investor they had all the none of us none of them backed so nobody ever backed it was just a lot of delay because nobody knew what was happening at the beginning of the pandemic we were at home we were trying to solve okay how we got because we had the resources to work but we're just trying to to understand okay what we're what we gonna do next because this is the runway which we have and we know we signed the deal but it's when is it coming but it got solved and uh the reason i tell that is a failure because not a failure for anybody it's uh it was just a natural ways of happening we were all scared at the beginning of the pandemic and most of us still are the reason why it was uh why it was failures because I really understood I could have solved the situation in two days, but I didn't really necessarily was paying enough attention at that point. And if what I mean would how? have.
0: What do, what do you mean? How? how?
1: When it comes to the legal work, when it comes to uh, pressing oh, the right buttons, when it comes to really um, doing the due diligence correctly and having uh, calling our investors and keeping a good relation with them. Uh, it was the beginning of the pandemic. Everybody was focusing on pretty much everything else. and. Uh, if uh, and that's the lesson that I learned very clearly, if uh, which I'm not going to repeat now, if I would have done it again, I would have solved the issue in two days, not in a month. So that was a very crazy money for us. That's one of the failures. We have failed timelines, we have some things which we believe we can do faster, and we have failed. We have failed in terms of some of the testing. we done tests which were not necessarily as relevant, but we at some point we thought they were, we insisted, and then we found out we were not. So, we do, we, we, you know, in, we had a lot of theories which were bad, but we had to test them. And a lot of colleagues go, I remember in the beginning and in the last month, beginning was like months ago, but the speed which we're moving, the beginning feels like years ago. Uh, But I remember uh, there were a lot of colleagues which were discouraged by the fact that we spent a lot of time and money and effort in testing something and building something which did not work. And uh, they came to me, why, why did we even spend so much time? And why did we do it if... I mean, we're not because it was not necessarily why, because we didn't know if we're gonna work or not. People were very discouraged and I, I just told them, okay, if somebody else wants to do what we did, don't you think you're gonna try this as well? And they said, well, maybe. I say, okay, then we just passed that and they have to do it. And we had we didn't, we, we, we checked the mark, it's not working, it doesn't matter, we're not gonna tell what's not working. We know that it's not working now and nobody else in the world knows. So, uh, Those are failures even before starting Blumen as a company, as a research project. One of the biggest failures is that I could have started it a bit sooner. I could have definitely started a bit sooner. The investor group, which we which I have right now and which we have right now, when we actually know them for, I think, at least six months before founding the company. But it never crossed my mind to do it that way. And uh, that's a failure Uh,
0: and failing every day. Yeah. Kornel, then what made you think of founding a company formally and switching from research projects as a side kind of project, I understand, into a formal uh, enterprise?
1: Well, it was clear for us that that is the mechanism, but it was clear for us from the beginning that that is the mechanism.
0: No, 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 what was the trigger? What was the trigger? you know, like months ago you were a research project with uh, guys that you like, and you're doing this as a hobby almost, I mean, passion, hobby, whatever. And then all of a sudden you understand now, now is the time for a company. What what was the trigger?
1: It had a lot to do with the technology. That was the point at which we knew that this can be done. That was the point at which we We actually were sure, I think six months before of that, that this can be done. We pivoted for the direction, exact direction of what we are, I think roughly, five months before starting the company. And that is the moment when we we knew this can be done. That is the moment when I completely left my corporate world, I left the corporate world again. Previously to this, I had a management role in innovation in a large automotive uh, manufacturer and company, and uh, it took me a while to get out of that role. It was a very interesting part. You know, we had impact over there. We were building amazing things, but I was feeling I was not doing enough especially with the background i'm having i was born in a family where both of my parents have locomotive disabilities and my sister has cerebral paralysis so i grew up in a very different house in a very different environment which made me more sensitive to creating things which help and um, when i realized this can be a solution i said okay and let me start my exit plan from the position i had in a company which any which i was implicated and begin working toward the, towards this um and it took a bit longer and uh i could have done it faster uh, but the flip was the moment okay this is working this can work this is something which can, we can bring on the market let's do it i called the uh, professor dr gabriel my co-founder and i said uh, gabriel let's do it and he said okay let's do it then okay uh after a few more months a few more months after that company was founded first investors were attracted um it was interesting. It was interesting because uh, even if it was a research project, it was funded from my money, from Gabriel's money, and so uh, the moment when I completely, completely quit, uh, and I was basically you know, jobless. Let's call it this way. I didn't have. The, and I'm not completely jobless because I do have my other my other uh, businesses in which I'm implicated, but are now 100 percent of my time is in Lumen. I'm a silent partner and the other silent partner in the other things. Um, but that point. There was no coming back. It was uh, it was the point of no return the second I did that. I actually did not know what to do in case this was not working. So it was a leap of faith and it worked. But it was large a large leap of faith. Even if I, at that time, I did not project it as this. I projected it as a being a very smooth transition. It was a leap of faith.
0: Karnal, let's move on to uh, round four and speaking. You mentioned Gabriel, one of your co-founders. There's another co-founder sure. in the San Michal Ivashku. Is that so? Yeah. Um, so in a very brief kind of, uh, description of the team itself, let's start with the founding team. What's our, and, and what I'm, I'm usually interested in how you divide your roles in the founding team and if I, sure. you, if you are 100% involved and in what's our, like the labor division in, in the founding sure. team, then describe a little bit uh, about uh, the, the whole company, um, and we'll take it from there.
1: Sure. So basically, as, co- as founders is myself, Gabriel, and Mihai. We have founded the company. The research project was funded by me and Mihai, and uh, Gabriel, Dr. Gabriel, to have the correct uh, nomination for his role. But still, myself and Dr. Gabriel were the founders of the research project, and then Mihai joined to, to build the company. Mihai leads the fundraising. Mihai leads business development and uh, sales. This is on him. Of course, with my support, with support from the crew, and, and so on. Uh, Gabriel did the technical part of things but also quite well also in the operational, uh, operational side with time we're going to divide the roles even more in terms of having more people helping us on the operational, more people helping us on some very specific things but at this point um, if I would have to take everything that we're doing and uh, absolutely every every aspect we're doing Uh, You know, 1% I do it, 1% Gabriel does it. So if I'm going to take everything out of the of the team which we have and only concentrate on the founding free members. Most of the companies we have there, of course, we could only do it at 0.1% compared to what the team is doing it. But this is roughly complementary, complementary skill set and knowledge which we have in the free members which we founded the company. Mihai on the business side, myself on uh, leading project management and technical and Gabriel fully on technical and operational. This is how roughly we are, we are split. Um, in terms of background, Gabriel is not only university professor, but also it's coming. Uh, he founded his own research group in the uh, university, founded his own research companies. They built everything from um, household items sold in millions of units up to electronic for satellites. Which is quite amazing to know people which didn't which done that. Uh, Mihai has its own. He's uh, the CEO of the M3 Group and uh, the founder of Modex. Modex Blockchain, uh, Modex Technologies, which uh, is a powerful blockchain player. I think they already closed around round at a three hundred million evaluation, something like that. So it's um, he's a he's a very good uh, fundraiser. He's a good, very good uh, person when it comes to funding companies. When it comes to leading them and we're learning learning a lot together and I'm learning a lot from him as well. And then when it comes to the team, we have everything from software mechanics, industrial design, product design, uh, testing a lot, uh, electronics, if I've not already said it, psychology, neuroscience. It's a very, very, very complementary set of skills to build something as large as this. You need a quite large uh, number of people. And even if right now we are 30, Five, I think, almost forty people in uh, in the company. It's uh, we're still not enough. That's the reality. We're still not enough, and we're still going to grow. And it's it's amazing to be able to sustain something like this.
0: Are you hiring now? And if yes, for what roles? What are the most in this
1: surprising? second? No, in this second we're not hiring. Why? Because we had a very powerful scale up. We enlarged the team three almost four times uh, in a very short period of time. And uh, somebody told me a great analogy, and I really liked it. When you're uh, scaling up a company, is is like climbing stairs. So you climb, you climb, you climb, but then you have no more air. Sometimes you also have to plateau a bit and begin, you know, catching your breath, catching some energy, and then you scale again. So we're going, we are going to scale again. I'm not going to disclose exactly when. Most probably, very soon, uh, we're going to do it non-publicly. So we're just going to recruit from our network and so on but uh publicly that is going to happen as well again we plan to reach 70 to 100 people by the end of the year so that's uh that's an immense growth
0: just as a side note would you be open to people contributing to the company out of their own free time and knowledge and experience and uh, like expertise anywhere anywhere in the world if they like the idea and they see some, how, to, how this could be improved, even not even not even for money, I mean, just, just because they have an idea. Would you be open for that and would you be welcoming such It depends.
1: Mm-hmm. It depends. That's the answer. So for example, we have an advisory board and we're going to grow the advisory board as well. But um, I respect a lot of people are contacting us that they want to help. And that can only please me, that can only, only make me very, very happy uh reality is we really don't have that many resources when it comes to time we spend all of our time in building as good as a product as we can do and always when you have new people it takes a it takes a while um so as much as i would like to to let the people who want to help to help and maybe with time we're going to find a way in which more people can contribute because we have to have some ideas in that direction we just didn't really advance that much with them but with time we're going to do that that uh, we can make a program which you can voluntarily help and make it a public program, make it a program to which uh, people can be proud that they contributed to this. And that's something which we actually have in the back of our mind. It's a, you know, we have it in the backlog. It's not something we're focusing on right now, but seeing the immense amount of people who are interested in helping, we, we're considering it. And that's something which I think we're going to do this year at some point, maybe later in the year, I think we're going to do that. Uh, as we grow more and more, as we have more resources and we can actually uh, pilot a program like this, it will be a very great moment. We're thinking, um, especially in in the direction of young people, having some social programs over there in which uh, they can actually help and there are ways in which they can actually help. They're quite interesting and uh, we're going to see what happens. It's in our backlog.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you should you should definitely go for something like I crowd ideation kind of, um, I don't know, platform or solution or just, um, yeah, platform for for people globally to, to, con- to contribute to take part. And that would take one or two pers- people from the team to manage, sure. To I mean, to scale these or to grow and then manage this interaction with people all around the world. Cardinal, let's move on to round five. And uh, we call this Formula F3 funding for the future. How has the company been funded by now and what are your funding plans for this year?
1: Sure. So last year, which was a pandemic here, it's our first year of existence. Again, we have, we're not, st- we're still not one year old, but, uh, for last year, we raised over a million euros. So that's like over $1.2 million, but it's a bit more than that. So I'm not going to fully, fully disclose the exact amount, uh, what we're doing now, we're opening our series a round and that is reaching quite a bit more uh we're looking at a roughly 10x increase in order to put a product on the market in order to begin production and shipping the product that requires a bit more and uh, this is what we're happening we are opening our series a round quite soon and uh once we open it a lot of interesting things are happening we're already whitelisting uh, various investor groups so uh if there is interest you know where to find me
0: what do you mean by whitelisting white listing uh, uh, investors
1: even if the series a round is not open we're already offering the opportunity for people to book a slot let's put it this way it's a it's a way of doing around especially larger rounds if there's initial interest and some people really want to make sure that they're part of the ticket well part of the ticket is a very political term if they're part of the round then it's an opportunity for them for already investing
0: who are your ideal investors potentially
1: Right now, I'm looking a lot on people who are coming from uh, big pharma for people who are coming from uh, med tech, especially technology in medicine and technology, necessarily strictly medicine. Because Lumen, even if it sounds like a med tech product and it is a med tech product, it's not a pure med tech product. It doesn't go to the same regulation as uh, other medicinal products. So, uh, because of this, We are looking at people which have experience in putting technology on the market, assistive technology on the market, to be very, very clear. Um, There are a few investors which did this, unfortunately, not that many. And we are already looking at them, already considering what we can do together. So definitely people who have experience in putting something like this on the market. This is what we're looking at, people who have uh, access to dealership networks, people who can help us with that. Um, let me put the other way: like what we are, what we are, what are not the most, uh, what are not the biggest pain points for us. So, technology is something which we have to our core. Research and development is something we have to our core. Manufacturing is something that we have to our core. We do know business development. We do know sales. We do have that experience. But those are also the areas which must grow exponentially, incredibly fast. We know how to grow exponentially in terms of manufacturing, research and development, everything. And we need people who can help us to grow exponentially in business development, sales network social impact because that's also a new thing and which we're part of um so people who are coming from social impact um, who previously invested in such companies with great success people who previously invested in um, assistive technologies this is what we're looking at
0: and let's not forget about the governmental relations definitely well.
1: part of sales and okay, marketing
0: interesting the last question probably would be cornell what's the exit scenario do you have an exit scenario for this company
1: You can imagine that we already are considering it and we do have a strategy over there but it's not something at which i'm looking at this point it's something which uh, our board is looking at something which we are considering so we're doing our job in having it and being it a you know a good direction for the company in the future but that does not motivate me necessarily i founded this company to have an impact in the same time as much as i want to have an impact i'm not you know i'm let me rephrase that As much as uh, we founded a company to have an impact and this is what drove me to to start a company, we have to look at sustainability. So mm, mm, a project such as Lumen cannot exist if it's not sustainable and uh, an exit is something which would permit for uh, Lumen to be part of a big pharma group, which is one of the direction which we're strongly considering. It can be an exit towards uh, big tech. Up to some point, parts of the technology can go to big tech, but more than anything, big pharma is the closest to what can help uh, lumen to spread even more globally. And again, we founded a company to have an impact. And if uh, an exit is the thing which is going to bring the impact and going to be able to scale it quite quickly, then uh, we're going to be part of that. I you know, I founded this not for money. I founded this for making meaning. And uh, I'm amazed about how much interest is and how sustainable something like this can be.
0: Yeah, great. But well, I hoped also to get an um, impactful exit scenario response from you, kind of. The, I oh, thought you would say something like Alex, uh, in five, ten years, when everybody in the world can afford a, dot, a lumen glass, that, that would be a, a great exit for me. Great. Well, exit um, or transfer
1: to may, may, maybe to maybe to give you an answer uh, yeah. and, uh, and even uh, uh, not the no answer, because the same answer again for me, it's about having an impact. If we can, if we can reach 100,000 people or 500,000 people by ourselves. But after we are uh, we do an exit to a big pharma, we can reach five millions. Then I think it's a very good deal to make. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would be I would be happy to think of an exit strategy. Not a last thing because we already followed it, but I would be happy to, you know, spend more time in terms of an exit strategy. The moment I know that there are more lumen devices than guide dogs, the moment when that is happening, I, see. Okay. I know that I did my job. Yeah,
0: yeah, the tipping point. Yeah, yeah, great, Cornel, uh We are in the beginning of twenty twenty one. What would you adv- What would you? What pearls of wisdom would you share with the fellow startup uh, founders, let's say in Central Eastern Europe? Or in romania more if, than if, yeah
1: central eastern europe i think they're pretty much the same struggles i mean in in poland you have a much better ecosystem than what happens in romania this is why we actually lumen in romania is not very well suited and fit in the ecosystem of romanian startup that's a reality we do have most of our investors from all from outside of romania and actually outside of ce we have them um, from western europe or from other continents as well biggest advice it's the same thing I'm guiding my uh, my life, basically my business ethos on it. It's making meaning, not money. And what I mean by making meaning is actually building things which help. So uh, this is what I'm doing. I'm For everything I'm doing, I'm building things which are helping, things which can have an impact, things which can make people smile and which can make their life a bit better. And uh, this is what I'm doing. And this is my recommendation, make meaning, not money because money will come after if you prioritize understanding a problem and coming with a solution but really really understanding and really bringing a solution which helps inevitably you will get to the money at some point if you find a startup because you're in love with the solution or if you find a startup because you're in love with the opportunity of money most probably are going to fail we founded lumen because we wanted to make meaning and to have an impact on the people with uh, severe visual impairment. So find your meaning more than anything, really find your meaning and then money will come.
0: Yeah, yeah, great. Thanks, Colonel. That was a rewarding conversation. Definitely, we'll keep an eye and uh, hope to get notified when your Series A is um, successful.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So dot lumen everyone they have just uh, got out of stealth mode uh, formed the company closed the first seed round and uh, are going to open the series A round this year somewhat this year um, several times uh, higher than the previous round now Even if lumen glass seems a bit far-fetched idea at this very moment, it definitely should have, if successful, far-reaching positive impacts on the lives of many, many millions of people around the world. And I think if more people tried to have a look around through Cornell's eyes, focusing on high meaning rather than high or only high returns, uh, the world around us would be a much better place. That's it for now. All the best. Bye bye.